Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the Hometown Roofing Pop and Pony Podcast presented by Hometown Roofing. Put your trust in us and powered by Bowser Chevrolet. Here's Bob Pompiani from KDKA-TV and Andrew Filipponi from 93.7 The Fan. We're very happy on this week's Pomp and Pony Podcast to have a member of uh, the local community who's made it big, Rocco Media. Just like you, Bob. Yeah, and so here we have yeah. Pompiani, Mediate, and Filipponi all on the big, same though. show. Yeah. <laughs> it's a subjective term, Rocco. <laughs> Believe yeah, me. Yeah, define big. You mean like fat? What do you mean? Yeah, well, fat. <laughs> I just had a BMI test. I know I'm fat. Okay. I got to get on that Rocco Mediate diet. Right. <laughs> Bob just had a sandwich about as big as his head before we yeah, taped this right. thing, Rocco. So. Yeah, I, I, I could too. Yeah. yeah. So, hey, listen, this is... Uh, when this airs, it's going to be Masters Week, and mm-hmm. uh, I know you have a lot of experience with Masters and Augusta National. Uh, first off, mm-hmm. I just want to talk from a golfer's perspective, your perspective. You've been in the lead down there at the Masters, and just what it's uh-huh. like to have it and how difficult it is to play with it if you're lucky enough to get it. Well, to get it, yeah, it's insane. What you have to do there and, and the, the control, it's just such a precise place. It's a big, big, big golf course, and if you miss in certain spots, the game's over. I mean, you could literally put somebody on 18 greens and it'd be tough to two-putt any of them unless you make some kind of crazy 20-footer after. You know what I mean? It's like, yep. it's you know, we could two-putt, but, I mean, you could literally three-putt 18 times if you're in the wrong place, which is really weird to even think about, but it's true. And then if you miss the green in the wrong spot 18 times, for instance – you have no chance to get up and down. So it's a very precise, precise place with the speeds of those greens and the tilt and the up and down the fairways. And it's just a heck of a place. I mean, it's, it's not like jo- um, Jones designed it anymore, but it's still Augusta National. So, Rocco, how would you get yourself psyched up or, uh, or prepared to play the Masters every year? What, was, what were the weeks before, the days before that tournament like for you? It was just the same. You know, growing up in, in Western PA, our green speeds were always as fast. You know, yeah. Augusta National on the flats were like 12, tw- you know, stinted around 12-ish on the okay. flat. Okay, which is really fast. And then when you put slope in it, then it becomes astronomical. But, you know, growing up at Greensburg, playing at Oakmont a, a few times I did, uh, playing at all the courses up there, we had that. We had tilt and slope and crazy things, and that was just normal to us. So mm-hmm. that never really, really affected us. I mean... When I'd practice, when I lived in Naples before, some of the masters that I played good at, I practiced at Calusa Pines. Our green speeds on the flat were 13, 14. So when I went to Augusta, it wasn't as fast. So it became easier to putt there and knowing the slope. But, man, it's just you can look so silly with a misread there because it goes off the planet. So, mm-hmm. you know, the guys that play great there, you have to be the best putter, period. 
you have to be the best part of that week. I don't care what anybody says. If you're not, you got no chance to win. None. You also have to play that number 12 hole. And, and Andrew, I don't know, but Rocco, like I said, had a lead. Number 12 killed guys when Tiger won his last Masters. Well, I mean, there if were guys... you make a 10 on number 12, it's just not a good thing. He made I mean, a 10 I'm on. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, it can happen to anyone. It, exactly. But, I mean, just your score is kind of done after that. But um, um, it's it just – but every hole out there has a – you have an opportunity to do something really bad if you're offline or here or there. You know what I mean? 12 is obviously mm-hmm. a bit – a bit brutal because there's just nowhere to play after you mess up the first one. Really hard to play there. But, um, and that's what it should be. I mean, I, I like it when it's impossible or hard. You know, the wind, the wind gets to blowing 20 miles an hour there. I don't know what it, you see. You, you see it. Mm-hmm. Things happen that you can't even imagine happen from the best players on earth. So it's just hard. Rocco, do you feel, be. I mean, you, you're playing, you know, world-class golf courses in the biggest events. But do you feel like the prestige and like the sake, the sanctity of Augusta National in the event when you're actually playing in it? I mean, CBS tries to play that. I'm watching on my couch. They try to make such a big deal of that. But when you're on the course and playing in the Masters, do you actually feel that, Rocco? Well, you feel a difference, yes. Yeah. But it's the seven iron still goes 150 yards at Augusta National for yeah. most people. For like, I was always taught that. Jackie Burke would say before my first Masters, I was in Houston talking with him and. He goes, you know, son, there's no green jackets hanging from the trees, and a 7-iron still goes 150. <laughs> so you got to look at it that way. It's just golf, yep. but it's pretty special golf. All the majors are majors. They're, they're the most special events we play. So, But, you know, people say, well, I'm going to play the U.S. Open, and I'm going to treat it like a normal tournament. Well, you're not. Because when you see the, when you see the Augusta National emblem on the flags, play on, and you have the best fields. So – you know, they want to define the best player that week. And they don't care how they define it. Same with, you know, the USJ. I always liked the way they did it because guys would bitch and moan like, like it was ridiculous. I'm like, wait a minute. It's supposed to be impossible. <laughs> Ours are supposed to be good. Yeah. What happened to that? And in Augusta, it's different sometimes. Sometimes the scores are low. Sometimes they're not. If the wind gets up, the greens are firm, forget it. It's hard to shoot any score there. So I always liked majors because – most of the guys were done, not most, but a lot of the guys were done before they started. And, of course, it's unfair. The greens are too fast. The pins were terrible. Well, good. I hope that's what they feel like. Um, but it defines, you know, Lee Jansen, my dearest, one of my dearest friends, won two U.S. Opens. Yeah. And him and I would always laugh about we won it. Not that we were any, well, Lee is, but not that I was any elite player. But my point, I wanted it to be impossible. Because I could hit my ball a lot of times where I was looking, and especially in the fairways. And Augusta, believe it or not, is, you know, they say, well, you can drive anywhere there. Well, you really can't. You never really could. Uh, just because there's not six-inch rough doesn't mean you can't, you know, it's because it's, the angles at Augusta National are huge. Huge. You could be 10 yards right of the guy, and the other guy's 10 yards left of you, and he's got you beat already just hmm. be, before you hmm. hit your second shot because you can't get the ball close to the hole on certain angles. It's impossible. So how does a guy like but to shamble? So far now, but, but that, yeah, well, see, the thing about Bryson is if he's driving straight, you know, up there, huge advantage. Uh, DJ, when Tiger was in his heyday, huge advantage. The longer they made the golf course, the easier it was for them. Mm-hmm. See, that, that, you know, they say we're going to Tiger-proof it. No, you're going to Tiger make it easier. <laughs> <laughs> 
because he's going to, you know, the longest guys are still the longest guys. If Bryson has control of his ball off the tee, tough to beat. If DJ has control, which he just showed you last year, if he has control of his ball off the tee, forget it. He's going to be out driving everybody mm-hmm. and have the right, have way shorter clubs. And no matter how good I am with a six iron, I'm not going to beat their nine iron. Maybe here right. and there, but no. Exactly. For a week, I'll get decimated. And that's what the long guys just no, – I'm not comparing myself. You know what I mean? DJ's out driving a guy. He's playing against 25 yards in the fairway. He's going to murder him because especially into those greens. Anybody. But if Bryson has control, you know, you know, last year he didn't have control and he didn't shoot a very, very, very mm-hmm. good scores. But if he does drive straight, he's going to have an advantage because he's hitting way shorter clubs than everybody else. Anybody that does that is going to, you know, you, you look at all the guys. You look at uh, um, um, JT. Just, I probably say JT like I know him, but, but you look at Justin Thomas. If he's driving his ball straight, big advantage, huge advantage. Rocco, I don't know if I've ever heard you your opinion on DeChambeau and the way he <laughs> looks at golf and training for it and his methodology and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I think it's really cool because um, if you think about every sport, and I've talked about it, and so have, so have a lot of other people, what sport in the world has, not, has the athlete not gotten bigger, stronger, and faster? All of them. Well, when this came into golf, people were going, what the hell is going on here? He's carrying it 330 yards. Well, it was going to happen. You can talk about equipment all you want. It's not making it go 330. What he's doing, you know, obviously it helps, you know, compared to 30 years ago. But if it was 30 years ago and he did that, he'd be driving it 30 by everybody else anyway. See, you see what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the longest guys are the longest guys no matter what equipment's in their hands. If you put us all back to persimmon, Bryson will still be the longest guy out there. It's as simple as that. So what he's done to do it is remarkable. And then he's played with it, and he's, he won a major championship missing every fairway at Wingfoot. Yeah. So how do you protect – how do you stop it? You know, when, when I heard uh, – you know, when, when they were going to Wingfoot last year, they were talking about Bryson, and I'm like, well, no. I mean, I, I, if, if he doesn't drive in the fairways – I mean, on, on men's day at Wingfoot on a Thursday morning with the guys playing out there, and you drive it where he did, you can't break 80. On men's day, it's not in the U.S. Open. So I tell people that ask me that question, let's just pretend that I was in that U.S. Open at 58 years old, well, 57 last year, right? Mm-hmm. And you put me in Bryson's place. I got to hit from where he did every day. Same thing. I got to do that. I didn't have to drive the ball. I got to put it where he was. I would have had to bust my ass to break 80 all four of those days. Wow. To break 80. Not to shoot in the 60s two or three of those days and shoot six under par. See, so there's a strength. So if he's got 150 yards out of the rough, he's sitting some kind of sand wedge or, 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 or mid wedge. I'm standing back with an eight iron going, I got no friggin' chance to hit this shot in the green. <laughs> so I better be chipping my ass off, and I'm still not going to get it up and down most of the time on those greens. Yeah. So what he did was remarkable. How do you stop him? How do you stop him? Wow. It's almost impossible because he proved it there. Of any other golf course, I would have got it, but not Wingfoot. And he beat the field. He, you know, he won by six. He won going away. But there is an art to playing out of rough. I never had the art because I wasn't fast enough and strong enough to hit seven irons, 185 out of the rough. It, it just didn't happen. Or nine irons. It just didn't happen. See, so those guys get to play good when most of the guys don't because it's strength. Bryson's so strong, it's stupid. <laughs> but he really knows. One thing about Bryson, I, I've only spoken to him once. One thing about Bryson is he knows – 
he knows what he's doing. He's, the physics part, people make, you know, he's physics. Well, yeah, golf is physics. To, to make the ball do certain things, a physical thing must happen. Club must be in a certain spot. Well, he gets that. And what he does is pretty good. His golf swing's really good. He's faster than hell. And he's learning his wedges now. You know, DJ figured out wedges. Look what happened. Mm-hmm. Number one player in the world, two majors, 21 and 22 tournament wins. It's ridiculous. Because if I was John Daly, back when John Daly was John Daly, I'd have become the greatest wedge player on the face of the earth and beat everyone to death every other week. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm driving 50 yards by everybody. Yeah. Huge advantage. So, but I like what he did. Now, will it last? You know, we don't know what the body – the body doesn't like the stuff that these kids are doing to it. Trust me. It, they, they don't, the body does not like it. And hopefully it won't break, but it's just so much torque on those joints. That's kind of like what happened to Tiger, spine. isn't it, Rocco? I mean, isn't that kind of what happened 100%. to him? 100%. 100%. Golf swing caused it. Not that it was a bad golf swing, but the way he made the club go so fast back then put stress on mm. parts of the – the, the, the lumbar spine that didn't like it and it blew many times you know who's amazing and who doesn't have many injuries is Dustin is DJ he does a lot of interesting things to make the club ball go where he's looking and the body is just twisted all up but it's genius you know Freddie Couples was on you know his back was a mess his whole career because of his golf swing not because it was a bad golf swing it was just it took its toll on, on the body even a perfect golf swing if you could say there is one the easiest on the joints will still will still mess things up because it's a it's a screwy motion that we do. Mm-hmm. Standing sideways, bent over with a crooked stick, trying to make a ball go where we're looking. Best wishes. <laughs> it's crazy, but but if you look at all the injuries that are out there, it's not a it's not a coincidence. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. But hopefully, it doesn't for a long, long time because it's so much fun watching these guys play. Um, but to make that club go fast like they do, the body has to do really weird things. You know, it's the hometown roofing pop and pony podcast powered by Bowser Chevrolet. You uh, you talked about fun to watch. I I found it amazing to watch when you uh, took Tiger on head to head in 2008 out of Torrey Pines and you forced him to a a sudden death 18 hole and then another extra time after that. And you you were in position to win that thing on 18. He's dealing with all his injuries. He can hardly walk all this crap. Oh, yeah. And he had to make a putt on 18 to force this playoff. And I'm curious what your reaction was, because most people would have thought at that point that you had it won. There's no way he's going to make, what was it, like a 20-foot no, downhill uh, putt? No, not with him there. No, no, no way. Um, I had a putt on the 71st hole that day. I hit a 7-iron to about, I don't know, 10 feet behind the hole. Really pretty. I couldn't believe it because I didn't remember the – you know, it's so you're so – I don't know what the word is, but I don't even remember swinging, you know. And I hit this shot in behind the hole about, like I said, about 10 feet, give or take. I'm not even exactly sure, but mm-hmm. little downhill sliding towards the water, towards the ocean. And um, I remember walking up there telling Matt, because I couldn't reach 18. So I had to hit some kind of crazy low. I was try, I always tried to hit low hooks off 18 to, so I could run it up there. Then I, I reached it one day doing that. Well, the next four times I played it, I, I overdid it because I – if I hit a pretty nice tee shot on 18, I have to lay up anyway. So I had to hit this crazy anyway. So I had this putt on the 71st hole, and I told Matthew, my caddy, I said, Matthew, when this goes in, this thing's over. Because if I got two up with two to play, I think I got him. And I just gave it a roll too much pace and caught the high side and went by about three or four feet anyway. Shook that one in somehow. But my point is, I knew if I didn't birdie one of the last two holes, there was going to be a problem. Mm. And um, and even that putt he had, 
there was no doubt that we were playing Monday. No doubt. no doubt. Because you, you have to – no, because it was him. Mm. Now, no disrespect, call it what you want, but if anybody else had that putt, I'm not even concerned. Wow. I don't care who it was. I don't care who it was because it was him. So I expected that to go in. I don't care what the green was doing. I didn't care about all that stuff. It was him. <laughs> and that was kind of his heyday pretty much. Yeah. So, he, you know, could he have missed him? Well, of course he could have. Anybody could have. But you've got to give him a – I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm standing back there going, well, he's making this. We're going to Monday. So I was ready to go. So <laughs> that that uh, that playoff, that was the first day, Rocco, that I actually – that was my first day started a job in radio. I'm 22 years old. That playoff against uh, Torrey Pines, that's the first day I ever worked in my entire life in, in radio when I got a real paycheck. And I'm watching you against him wow. that day. You're crazy. And I'm watching you that day, and I, I'm thinking to myself watching you, what, what, was the, what, was the, what was the dynamic like on the course? It's just the two of you. You don't have to watch a leaderboard. You know, usually when guys play together, I, I would think there's at least a little bit of communication between two guys while they're playing in a mm-hmm. major chance. So I, I've always been fascinated and, and wondered what it was like on the course with him that day. It was um, normal. You know, it was, I always talk. He doesn't <laughs> talk much, but we talked a bunch. We laughed a lot. Because mm-hmm. I kept looking at him going, what the hell are you doing? Making putts here, getting it up and down, stuff. That he, he, but he, I know he's going to do that. He, he, nothing he did ever surprised me. Mm-hmm. Um, it might have surprised other people. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's normal for him. But, no, it was a normal day, you know, as far as, you know, we, we obviously we're both trying to beat the crap out of each other. And yep. It was just one of those, it was so much fun, I couldn't stand it. It was so much fun. You know, I was disappointed I lost, but I was also disappointed that the playoff didn't last 12 days. It was so much fun <laughs> to play golf out there in front of these, in front of all these people. And, you know, and, and just, you know, everyone expected a car wreck. I, you know, I, I did not expect a car wreck. I, I knew when I woke up that morning that I was going to win this golf tournament because I had him through the air big time. I had complete control. You know, I shouldn't say complete very much control of my golf ball that week because I was I hit more greens and more fairways and I think the field so that's why I knew when I got up Monday that the only one that was going to stop me was me because he had there's nothing he could do to stop me to do what I wanted to do mm-hmm. just because I'm playing with him and I play them a lot and I love playing with Tiger I love all the noise I love chaos so I, I, I loved all that craziness and it was crazy there 25,000 people it was two guys yeah Exactly, um, and it was noisy. It was noisy, very noisy. But that never affected me. Like some guys are affected by all that. I didn't give a shit what noise was. There. I didn't care where the people were going. Was this a pro but tiger when, crowd, when or were they turned, were they looking at you like, okay, here comes uh, uh, David taking on Goliath? Yeah. At first, you know, uh, you know, during the day, during the early, I handed them a nine and ten right in a platter. You know, I three putted nine from twenty feet above the hole, and I. Didn't get up and down on 10 from five yards short of the green. Had a pretty eight iron, just caught up in the wind, end up short. Mm-hmm. He made a 25-footer for par on, on 10. I missed the four-foot. I had a terrible chip. Um, so I'm three down with eight to play, and everyone's kind of probably, you know, laughing. And I wasn't, though, because when I got to 11T, I told Matthew, I went, listen, if I do what I know I can do these last eight holes, this son of a bitch is not beating me. <laughs> I was so mad. I was so mad at what I did because I handed it to him. 
on eight and nine. Just here, take these because you're not good enough to. Yeah, I handed the best player in the world two two shots here. Just take those. And um, when we got to 16T, I was one ahead, and I, I it was exactly where I wanted to be, and it was crazy. But it didn't surprise. I wasn't surprised. I was like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing here. This isn't like, whoa, you're playing out of your ass. I wasn't. Mm-hmm. I, I just was playing normal golf, tee to green, fairways and greens, fairways and greens, fairways and greens. And then, um, you know, that's just how I felt about it all day. Um, and, and it just didn't happen to turn out, but it was sure fun trying. I can tell you that. I'd love to do it. It would have been fun to do it every weekend with him because it's just, it's just too much. It's just too cool. You mentioned that he was in his heyday then, and he was. You know, that this, you, you took yeah. on Prime Tiger that, that day, that tournament. Um, are, you say that, Rocco, because the, just the mental strength that he had back then, just like you, you mentioned the putt that you knew was going to go in, just because he was yeah. so confident in himself. To, and, and, and do you think, you know, guys go up and down confidence-wise, professional athletes do. Like, do you think that Tiger Woods still has that uh, confidence that you spoke of there that day? Um, well, he, he doesn't only because his body failed him. His, his ability didn't fail. I mean, he screwed around his golf swing with the wrong guys for years, destroyed them, completely wrong guys. It just decimated this kid. Um, it's a fact. I don't care what anybody says. It's a fact. I, I watched it happen right in front of my eyes. So I don't, the, the confidence is not there physically. Mm. If he got the physical confidence back, which he did a couple of years ago, he won that other big tournament in Augusta we're talking about. Yep. Okay. Didn't surprise me the least. Surprised me. Surprised me. It took so long to get number fifteen. It took eight, what, ten years or eleven years to get eighteen. Yeah. I mean to get uh, the fifteenth. That that's what surprised me. So no, he he doesn't have the physical confidence by any stretch as he had the physical. He can't because the body's failed. Then then this happened to him a few months ago, which is, you know, that, who knows how bad that is? We don't know. But um, if anybody could figure out how to come back from it, he will. It, it, you know, as long as he can have a semi-normal physical life, even if it has no golf involved, that'd be great because he has children. And he wants to be, you know, he's right. only 45 yeah. or six years old. So, you know, it'd be nice that, that he'd be able to walk normal. You know, who knows what happened to him. But but uh, as far as the golf's concerned, you know, if this wouldn't have happened, yeah, he had the, he's starting to get the physical confidence back. You know, he won his 83rd at the, in Japan a couple of years ago. Um, um, you know, and it just looked like he was 25 years old when he's out there playing. So, that's what he's lost, the physical confidence, because there's no physical – his body has failed him. The other is a bad word, but it, the body doesn't work like it used to because it's broken. Right. You know, broke. The other thing that you had a, a great opportunity, and I'm sure close to your heart, is uh, playing with Arnold Palmer in his last opportunity at Oakmont, oh, yeah. which was one of the most oh, God. Uh, amazing yeah. things I've ever seen in my life, especially carrying into the press room. But and it was like 100 degrees that day. Wasn't it just it a was, sweltering yeah. heat, too? Yeah, but, I mean, Arnold and like Rocco – Playing yeah, together, it was, it was bad. It was, but that was that mm-hmm. had to be one of the greatest highlights of your career, I would imagine. Yeah, it was the most special two days for sure. And I played a ton of golf with them over the years, and spent a lot of time with them over the years, um, lots of time. But um, that was cool because the USA asked me if I, because I was exempt for the Open, but I was hurt. I wasn't playing in early '94, and because um, um, uh, I had I had the back surgery about a month after that Open, and. Um, um, they asked me, I said, well, you know, we're going to pair him with Mr. Palmer in his last event. And I'd played one event that year. And I went, yeah, I'll play. I'll crawl around and play. <laughs> so I, I, I remember going there and I played Westchester the week before, somehow made the cut, got some golf in. 
and came to Oakmont and felt pretty good. You know, I felt pretty good. I played pretty good for 30, the first 36 holes. I was, I was in a decent position playing with him. It was just so much fun. But coming up, uh, you know, the 36 hole was, you'll never forget that. Um, and just the things that were said and, you know, standing back, Mahaffey and I and Wormy, who caddied for me, um, one of my dearest friends, um, he's caddied for me for those years. We stood back and just watched. Mm. Um, and you, you know, you don't get to see that. This is, and when we got in the green and we were walking off the green, I said, this is all because of you. And that's when he kind of lost. <laughs> wow. I take wow. complete credit for that. <laughs> um, because it was, you know, he, he, you know, the world stopped and watched because they should have. The respect is deserved, and the respect was given. Um, and, you know, he was, you know, you could see it in the press room. It, it was just devastating to him that he had to be done with, with his favorite event, that he should have won three or four times instead of just once. You know, but it was his favorite event. Obviously, Augusta, too, but um, you know what I mean. And so having that opportunity was very, I mean, you kidding me? I was the luckiest person in the world. Man, that's one of the craziest sports days that's one of the craziest oh media God. days, period, because that's the O.J. Simpson right. Ford Bronco day, too, if I if my memory's right. That night we were watching that yeah, thing. I, I think it was. And, Unbelievable. And it's like, you know, we know Ernie won, but we don't really remember the Ernie won. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Um, so, we don't remember Ernie made about a four-footer to win on the 11th hole in yeah. the playoffs. So it's crazy. Yeah, it's – um, uh, but, yeah, that was just special. I, I You know, any time I got to spend with him was cool and special, but that was silly how fun that was. And, and and you and Arnold Palmer have that in common, Rocco, that you're both guys from Western Pennsylvania that you know made it uh-huh. to the point where you're at the top one point, you know, point one percent. Yeah, there's not. Of, it's a small fraternity. Yeah, I, I'm I, with that in mm-hmm. mind. I mean, there are people that are going to listen to this podcast that play casual golf, or maybe they have kids that they're trying to you know turn them into the next. Rocco Mediator Arnold Palmer. Right. What well, kind of advice? Yeah. <laughs> what what kind? What, what would you say to people? How do you become? How do you how do you aspire and then become a great golfer when you're from this part of the you country? You know, he didn't start till he was 15 years old. Well, they, well, even better. Yeah, I started, but you know, but growing up there, um, yep. uh, growing up there is a bonus because the golf courses. Um, they're they're you know learning where I learned at Greensburg and, and Hannestown some and and Mount Oden even Mount Oden up and down side hills, fast fast greens and just you know back then we're hitting three irons into a lot of holes now we're hitting nine irons you know it's, it, things have changed but learning there was huge and good teaching you know Faree taught Jim Faree started teaching me in 1980 he was at Westmoreland you know learning to play that you know playing there with him a lot watching the best you know Jim was as good a ball striker as I've ever seen to this day. And when he was 50. Um, so I got to learn from, and I was always decent hitting a ball with a stick. I mean, it, it, so I got good at it. I never aspired to be a professional, though. Mm. I played college golf, and I went and tried tour school just so I wouldn't go back 10 years ago. I wonder if I was ever good enough to, yeah. to make it out there. And, and that's 36 years ago now, or 35 mm. years ago. But so how is it? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm helping, I shouldn't say, I'm working with, helping, talking with a kid from Greensburg, Mark Getz. Um, yes. Just remember that name. I know. There's something about that our area. I don't know what it is, but this kid's got the look. He's got the heart. He's got the balls to play professional golf. Um, now it's just up to him to go use them the right way. He's still an amateur. He's, he's at West Virginia, but really wonderful kid. But but he has that mentality of the fu mentality. <laughs> okay, that's what you got to have. Yeah. Um, because. There's a lot of good players out there. A lot of guys hit it 300 yards. Who cares? What do you do with the arsenal? It's like I tell Getsy, I'm like, you have an arsenal 
unlike a lot of people I've ever seen, 130 mile an hour club speed, all that crap, right? But if you don't know how to use the arsenal, it's completely worthless to you. How do we use these weapons? So a lot of people come to me and they'll say, a lot of some kids or the family comes to me and go, what do you think about my son? He does this and that. I said, I don't know what, he, I don't know what kind of heart he's got. I have no idea. And the only way you find that out is when you put the heart on the line. You know, when you got to go qualify or you got to play this to get in your, to do this and to, to do that. Um, you just don't know. You just, until you do it. There's so many great players in the world right now, it's unbelievable. I grew up with a lot of kids in, at home that were way better than me. A lot of kids in college were way better than me. Jansen was way better than me. It took him five years to get on tour. Okay, I got out there. I, I shouldn't have got out there. I got out there so fast. <laughs> I was 21 years old. So I don't know. I, I, it's, but what, what do you have inside you that says, I can do this when it really counts? That's the key. And then that just keeps going up as a level as a player you become, college, amateur golf, big-time amateur golf, professional golf. Uh, it's just how it is. I mean, if you look at some of the kids that play great at amateur golf, they're not out there. Some of them. Not all of them, but some of them. You know, the no-miss, the can't-miss guys, some of those guys did miss. Yeah. And it's hard to explain why. It's hard to explain why. It's just so hard of a – it's insane. It's like my wife says, just says, you, you're, you're, you're a, I don't, I don't know what you are. You, you've done this for 36 years. Who does that? <laughs> and you're you still know, that, doing it. It, it just, it, it, yeah, and I'm still doing it. And it's kind of what? It's insane. What? How? I don't know how, how we were programmed. You know, I, I don't, I don't know. You know, I, I was always pushed. My dad pushed me, but in a good way. My dad wasn't like, you know, he just made me work. If you're going to do it, do it. Basically, my college coach, Coach Matlock. You don't work hard enough, son. And we worked like every day till dark. You're lazy. You know, what do you mean I'm lazy? And then you work harder. You know, and a lot of guys don't like to hear that. You know, it's different now. You know, I, Mr. Palmer busted my ass. I came back after I won Greensboro in 93, my second win. Won a, a beat Elk in a playoff. I'm up at Laurel that Monday doing an outing for him to the hospital. Doc comes out, Giffen comes out, and he goes, hey, the boss wants you to come to his office after you're done playing. I said, oh, good. He's going to tell me how great I am. I just won a tournament yesterday, blah, 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 blah. This is going to be great. I get to the office, I sit down, and he goes, so uh, no congratulations yet, nothing, nothing. In fact, I don't even think he congratulated me. It was, it was hilarious. He goes, so I see you backed yourself into one yesterday. <laughs> so now I'm, now I'm mad. I go, what do you mean I backed into one? I, I posted a score. Elk made a 10-footer in the last to get in the playoff, and I beat him on the fourth hole. What do you mean backed it? Well, you should have won that outright. See what I mean? Yeah. He was that guy. Yeah. He went after it. Was it in a good way? He was tough. He was like, you shouldn't have to mess with that playoff. You shouldn't have done this. I'm like, well, I did, though. I, I didn't want to mention Olympic, too. You know, I didn't do that to him. Oh, I didn't go after because but, but we got into some drag outs because he was just – he wanted more. And, and I, I enjoyed that push. It didn't, it didn't, it, it, it pissed me off in a good way. It, 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 it didn't, it never made me say, we, what the hell is he talking about? What is he, you know, I'm like, all right, all right, I'll give it more. And, you know, I, I did fine. Obviously I wasn't going to do what he did. Who is? So, you know, but he did like the way I treated and, and, and acted with people, you know, most of the time we all make mistakes, but um, he, he did like that because he taught me that. You know, it's like you, you give something back to the game, son. Mm. He, he would say this. 
if someone's dumb enough to come out and watch you play, <laughs> you better give them something back for yeah. the money. Hello, wow. how you doing? I don't care where you are in the tournament. And I did. At first, I couldn't because you got to look people in the eye. Well, I couldn't do that either. I was too shy. That's changed, obviously. But, <laughs> but um, um, it was hard to look people in the eye when you talk to them. You know, it's, it's, you know back then when I first started, I, did, I was like a fish out of water in the, on the, for my first few years. I didn't know what the hell was going on. But um, I learned that I learned more about being than playing from him. And that, you know, it's just people come out for a reason. It's not you, you treat them with respect. And um, I tried to do that most. You know, I did that most of the time, I think. Yeah, I know you did. And I, I enjoyed that part. We had a lot of talks. We, whew, we had a lot of talks about about things, and um, and he was great. Believe me, he was. And you know, towards the end, we, we spent some time before he before he he went somewhere else. Um, and he was just really cool about, you know, I'm so proud of you how you how you handled yourself, and you know, you had a nice career, and you know, yeah, you could have won a couple opens, I could have won a couple. He goes, it's just hard. He goes, you gave it. I just like the way you fought. And that's, you know, you, you learn that. And he was always in my back pocket or on my shoulder when I played, yeah. especially in big-time events, because I knew he was watching. That's he'd pretty... come out to Bay Hill and watch. Uh, not just me, but he'd be in a car, and he'd come out and watch me play three or four holes because I'm from the same place. And I almost won his event a couple times. Heartbreaking that I didn't um, a couple of times. But it was just so much fun to, to, to be – I always felt like I was one up on everybody else <sighs> because we're from the same place. Yeah. As far as he was concerned, and I knew that if I called him, he'd pick up the phone and say, "What's going on? What's happening? Can I help you?" Blah blah blah. Uh, you know, I knew that, and that's a pretty cool thing to be able to have. Oh yeah, yeah. Because not that, many people had it. That makes it special. And, not many people had it. and I never, I never took. You know, I never overdid it or, or said anything about it. But you know, he's Mr. Palmer to me, and he still is. Well, listen, we'll leave you on this note. Andrew, I don't know if you know this, but, you know, Rocco's still playing on the Champions Tour, and um, not too long ago in one of the events, the Safeway event, he did something that I don't think anyone else has done, and he holed out four different times <laughs> from the fairway, a hole-in-one, number one. He also had three hole-outs for how, what distance? I mean, I, I never saw anything. To your knowledge, has anyone it else done so that? was stupid, yeah. Uh, yeah, I made a hold a seven out on the fourth. So it's funny, I remember him because it just it doesn't happen. That was the last time I won. I was 40, almost 48, but um, um. I hold a seven iron on the fourth hole on Friday, a wedge on the fifteenth hole on Saturday, and a wedge on the seventy-first hole on Sunday, and still had to make a five-footer to win. It's the freakiest <laughs> thing you've ever seen. So apparently, I was supposed to win the tournament. Apparently, they said, "Yeah, he gets to win," because I you couldn't. You would think you'd win by ten doing that, but no, one barely, barely one by one. But yeah, those, those, um, those. I've got to experience. I, I tell people this. Now that I'm older and, and look back even more, it's like I've got to experience things that no one gets to experience. There's only a few of us, and I mean by a few of us, professional golfers on the PJ Tour. That's only a few. Um, I got to experience things, feelings, looks, noises. Um, uh, I don't know how to explain it, that you just don't get. And I've been very fortunate to be able to experience that stuff a lot um, and, and being with the best players in the world and being able to hang out with them for you know, 35, 40, 36 years and learn from them and stuff. It's, it's ridiculous what I've yeah. got to do. Ridiculous. And well, very, uh, you know, I'm, I've, I've always, I've never taken it for granted ever because it can turn on you so fast, as you guys know, uh, and, and anything, it'll make your head spin. So you, I always respected it. And whether I was playing great for a long time or crappy for a long time, 
I knew it would turn one way or the other. Well, I know this. You've been an inspiration to a lot of golfers around here, and uh, we appreciate the well, time today, you. Rocco. Yeah, thanks, yeah. Rock. I look forward oh, to seeing. And I, I still want to have a match with you, and I want strokes, so we'll get that figured You'll out. You'll get a lot of it. Yeah, we'll come. I'll be home. I'll be home in the summer. I'll be up there in June. So I'll, I'll, I'll keep you posted. All right. <laughs> thanks, thanks Rocco. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Take care. Yep, see you. Ya. too. You've been listening to the Hometown Roofing Pomp and Pony Podcast. Hometown Roofing, put your trust in us. And powered by Bowser Chevrolet. Join us each week for another Hometown Roofing Pomp and Pony Podcast.